Is anybody excited to be in church today? It's awesome uh, just um, walking through the building and talking to so many different people and even being here in the room and you just, you just sense faith, like, like this belief that things can be better. And as we've been saying, better than ever. And it's hard to put words because you can't like fabricate that. You can't fabricate that, that confidence. It's just something that, that is in the air. And, and I've been talking to so many different people over the past few weeks that are just believing in great expectation for miracles to take place. Even as we sang that song just to, uh, earlier in the service, that this would be a house of miracles. There's just like an expectation in the air that my marriage can be better, that my physical well-being can be better, that I don't have to leave this earth early, that my family can be stronger, that I can wake up in the morning and have genuine peace that surpasses all understanding, like I'm not freaking out. I'm awake, I'm alert, I'm here, better than ever. And I believe many of us in this place are believing and expecting for things to change. I know I am in my own life and it's, it's funny when I begin to think about the things I'm believing for or what we would call the promises that God has for my life. Sometimes those promises happen in moments. And that's where our faith should be because faith is not tomorrow, faith is now. And sometimes it may take a little while. And sometimes they just don't happen overnight. You know, there's this window, this, this, this window of, of space. It's this window and it lies between two things. The first thing is revelation. And then on the other side of this window is manifestation. You may be saying, what, what, what does that mean? They rhyme, it sounds cool, but what does it mean? Revelation is that light bulb moment where you are awakened to the realities of God. Revelation is when you are awakened to the idea that it can be better than ever. It's when you're awakened that, to, to the idea that, man, I, I can live my best life. God does have a plan for me. It's, it's that revelation moment, that light bulb moment. And then on the other side of the window, you have manifestation. What's manifestation? It's simply the revelation becoming tangible. It's that promise in your hands, where you can touch it, where you can feel it, where you can see it, where you can smell it, where you can hear it. Manifestation is, is what we want. It's the doctor's report that says, I no longer have to go back to the doctor. It's my kids sitting in service with me on a Sunday. It's my husband wanting everything to do with God. It's, it's the manifestation. But in between the revelation and the manifestation, you've got this window. And the Bible calls this window time. 
Say time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. You have this window, and it's called time. And, and, and this window called time is like a really, really, really important space. For some of you, you're in this space today. For some of you, you're yet to experience that revelation moment that then enters you into this space called, called time. Time, time where we he we're heading to manifestation, but we're still in this window. And what you do in this window is very, very important. This window called time highly influences the space called manifestation. It's in this window where battles are won and battles are forfeited. It's in this window where you are going to decide if the miracle will be for you or for somebody else. It's in this window called time. It's a very important window. You may be there today or you may be there a month from now, but at some point in your life, you will find yourself in this space between revelation and manifestation. So what do I do in this window? There's a lot of incredible people in the Bible that we can learn from. But Jesus, he had this brother named James. And James gave some tips for people that find themselves in this space called time. And this is what James says. In chapter one, verse five through eight, he says this. But if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He's generous to everyone and will give you wisdom without criticizing you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Anyone who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown up and down by the wind. Such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time. And they cannot decide about anything they do. They should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. The brother of Jesus, he's saying, guys, when you find yourself in this window called time, you cannot afford to have two options. You've got to be focused. When you find yourself in this window, either you have a plan A or nothing else. Because if you have a plan B or if you have a secondary idea of what your manifestation is going to look like, you can expect to receive nothing from God. How many times do we have this revelation moment, get into time and start doubting? Maybe God will do it, maybe he won't do it. What's happening? Double-minded. Maybe my kid will come to church, maybe he won't come. I don't, double-minded. Maybe the doctor's report will be better, maybe it won't be, double-minded. And when you're in this window and you're thinking about two outcomes and you're allowing those two possibilities to get into your heart, 
That's where battles are lost. James is saying, I need you guys to be focused on the words from God. In Mark chapter 5, we see this story come to life in a very practical way. And it's a very familiar story about a dad named Jairus. And it says this in Mark chapter 5. And I, I want to read some of this, paraphrase some of this, but I want us to put ourselves in the life of this man named Jairus. It says, Jesus, he got into the boat again and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jairus is a leader. He's a somebody. But how many of you know sometimes in life, your title at work, the money in your bank account, your last name, can't fix your problem. But thank God that Jesus can turn any situation around. And Jairus knew this. So Jairus, this somebody, he, he, he just falls at the feet of Jesus and he starts to beg Jesus, Jesus, would you just come pray for my kid? She's, a, she's, she's only 12. Jesus, she has a big plan for her. She has a lot of life ahead of her. Jesus, it can't end this way. And, and Jesus agrees to go to the house of Jairus. Jairus is happy. Jairus is in the revelation moment. Jairus walked through the prayer line. He got prayed for. It's going to happen. I'm going to win. My daughter's going to be okay. He's in this moment of revelation. But then he steps into time. And he begins this journey back to his house. How many of you know a lot of things can happen in this window? As he begins this journey, crowds of people start running up to Jesus. They're slowing everything down. And then there's this crazy lady in the crowd. She grabs Jesus' robe. And Jesus stops. He's like, who touched me? I can only imagine Jairus saying, Jesus, we got to go. And Jesus is there talking to a woman. You know that conversation was lengthy. Thank you, guys. I was at the marriage conference, too, and they politely said that women speak a lot more in a day than men do. <laughs> and so, so they're in this window. And I'm sure Jairus is getting antsy. Like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. My daughter's sick, my daughter's sick, my daughter's sick. He's in this window. He's in this window, and as he's in this window, and Jesus is talking to this woman, something happens in this space. In Mark 5, 35, it says this, while he, speaking of Jesus, was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, Jairus, your daughter, is dead. Jairus, 
your daughter is dead. I can only imagine what he's feeling in this space called time. Is she going to live? Or, or is it over? In this mind, the idea of another option has engulfed Jairus. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the concern. And for many of us in this space, when you enter into this space called time, please expect other suggestions to come knock on your door. Please expect other messengers to arrive and say, hey, there's no use of troubling Jesus now. Just let him go because it's over. And these suggestions are trying to get you to embrace them. And Jairus is in this pickle in the space called time. What do I do? And Jesus looks at Jairus. He doesn't look at the messenger. He doesn't pat Jairus on the back and say, you know, Jairus, God must have had a secondary plan. Jairus, maybe God needed another angel in heaven. Jairus, God heals some, but not everybody. No, no, no. Jesus looks at Jairus and he says this, don't be afraid, just have faith. He didn't say just have a little fear and a little bit of faith, just have faith. Jairus, that plan B is creeping up, throw it back at the messenger and establish it. Just have faith. Jairus, keep your focus. There's no plan B, Jairus, just have faith and it's in this space that I have seen many people that I know lose the battle of the manifestation because alternative suggestions entered that space I celebrated my daughter's sixth birthday I got like three birthdays this month and I began thinking about my six-year-old it was a special day I felt like a lousy dad I was out of town but for a good reason, I came back, I made it up to her, it was great, we had a great party. Anyways, <laughs> I began thinking about this moment, I, it was years ago when she was just born and we brought her home and my wife wanted to take her to her pediatrician. And so we take her to the pediatrician because we noticed she was uh, uh, struggling to breathe from what it looked like. And so her pediatrician ran some tests and said, hey, she has these couple little viruses going on just monitor but if this begins to happen and he explained a specific thing if you see this happen you just need to get her straight to the emergency room so me and my my wife we're really chill we're really calm we just go home and think everything's gonna be okay but in the middle of the night we start to see all of these things happen and and we know the pediatrician said rush her to the emergency room so we leave our eldest daughter with family, and we go to the emergency room. And again, we're not really sure what to expect. We're not anticipating anything, maybe a couple of hours, but I'll be at work tomorrow morning. And so we get to the hospital, and we finally get in there, and, and the doctor seemed a little panicked. And when the doctor seems panicked, we get a little panicked. And I remember being a little nervous because one doctor came in, then two doctors came in, then three doctors, then four, and now they're on phone calls and they're saying, get the room ready and sign these papers. And I'm like, what are we doing? You're signing your daughter's life away. And this is moment of pressure. 
And more doctors come in and they gather all of this equipment while we're downstairs. And, and they open up this elevator. They open up this, this elevator and they're getting ready to run in. And I remember standing with my wife thinking, what, what's going on? Where are we gonna go? What's gonna happen? I felt like a man being tossed in the winds and the waves. And it was in that very moment as they were getting ready to shut the doors of that elevator that the Holy Spirit spoke to me right here. And I believe this is gonna help many of us. He said, Andrew, you better go speak to this situation before this situation speaks to you. When you're in this space called time, one of the reasons why we struggle with other suggestions is because we never established where we stood. Before you enter this space, you have to draw the line of the sand on where you stand. Because if you don't, you will be talked out of your manifestation. And as I grabbed that bed, I was not sitting there begging God to do anything. I was letting every devil in hell know where this family stood. And I said, those same doors that we came in will be the same doors that we go out. I drew the line of the sand. Some of us step into this place called time and we wait to see what the odds are gonna be before we establish where we stand. You can't do that. I don't care how impossible the manifestation looks, you have to establish where you stand. And if you establish it a lot sooner, you won't be flip-flopping in the winds and the waves when messengers wanna come and talk you out of your miracle. We drew the line of the sand. I thought we were gonna leave in three hours. So when it was day three and the doctor said it was bad, it didn't matter, the line had already been drawn. When it was day six and they said her lung collapsed, it didn't matter because the line had already been drawn. When it was day 10, it didn't matter because the line had already been drawn. When it was day 19 and my daughter had spent more time in a hospital than she had in her own crib, it did not matter because the line had already been drawn. You gotta draw the line in the sand. You gotta speak to that situation before it speaks to you. You gotta be focused. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable and can expect to receive nothing from God. You have to establish that. And please understand that just because you started the journey with faith doesn't mean that you automatically end the journey in faith. So Andrew, what do you do? Because I'm human and it's loud and it's noisy and it's been a week and reports are negative and, and this sounds bad and it just looks like I'm further away from my manifestation. What do you do in that moment of pressure? You have to do the very thing that Jairus did. Jairus took the word with him. Jairus took the word with him. When he was in that space and it began to get loud 
and he began to feel the pressure as he was going home. He did not go home without Jesus. In John chapter 1, in case you didn't know, it says, in the beginning, before all time, before all time, was the Word. Was the Word. And what is the Word a picture of? Christ. The Word was with God and the Word was God himself. Can I tell you that your Bible is a picture of Jesus walking with you? That these words carry no less power than they did in the mouth of Jesus himself when he was walking with Jairus. I'm feeling the pressure. Are you taking the word with you? Jairus, the messenger said, Jairus, leave him alone. Go home. Let Jesus get back. No, no, Jesus, you're going with me. Because I'm going to need to be reminded as I'm getting closer to my house what you said. As I get closer to my house, I got to be reminded on those days that seem dark, on those days that seem impossible, when the report got worse, I got to be reminded what you said. So Andrew, practically speaking, what, what did you do? I found the words that applied to my situation. I found the words that painted the picture of my manifestation. With long life, God will satisfy my daughter. That my daughter is the healed of the Lord. That no weapon formed against my daughter will prosper. What did you do? My wife grabbed crayons. We found papers and we taped it all over her little lifeless looking body. So when machines were going off and it was loud, I wasn't looking at those numbers. I was looking at what my God said. And many of us are trying to enter battles that you are no match for. And you gotta take the word with you. Do you have a relationship with the word? Do you know what God has to say about the outcome that you've been believing for? Because if you don't, when the messengers show up, you're going to leave the word and you're going to walk back to your house with zero power. Jairus, what did he do right? He took the word with him. He took the word with him. You know, it's interesting and I didn't plan on going here, but I think it's worth, it's worth being said. As they get closer to the house, they start hearing a bunch of crying, wailing. Why? Because she's, she's dead. They get into the house and it is a mess. Everybody in the room is crying. And Jesus is like, why y'all crying for? She's asleep. She's not dead, she's just asleep. And they mocked them. They laughed at Jesus. They laughed at what they were contending for. Not everybody is going to be your biggest cheerleader when you are expecting the impossible. They're going to say, you're crazy. You should have had the plan B. You should have taken out that other loan. You should have got the third job. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. But you know what Jesus does? 
he starts removing people from the room. He says, you out of the room. You out of the room. He didn't even take all of his disciples in the room. You know what some of you guys are going to have to do? You're going to have to start getting people out of the room. You're going to have to start removing certain people that you think are praying for you but are actually just spectating. Some of us think, well, the more people that are praying, surely God's arm is going to be twisted. No, 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 not if they're spectating. Not if they're spectating, waiting to see. Waiting to see. When we were in that hospital for three weeks, no one went in that room except for a couple of people. I didn't tell anybody. I showed up to certain places. I showed up to my small group. No one knew anything because I didn't need anybody spectating. I needed to go find some people that even if she died on that bed, they'd look and say, I believe in a God that can raise her back to life again. And there ain't a lot of people. Some of you are going to have to go home and you're going to start taking inventory of the people that are really for what you're for. And it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt. But when it's all said and done, you are going to be grateful to be standing in a place of manifestation. I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. God is doing so much more than we know. So much more. And I know for many of us, we're in different walks of life, different seasons. Some of you are in great seasons. Some of you are like in the manifestation season, like, man, everything I was hoping for, it's happening. Some are just being awakened to God realities and, and others are in this window. And regardless of where you're at, you have to make sure that you understand the power of Jesus. There is no situation that is too big for God to turn around. God sees the pressure that you're under. God sees the timing in which he needs to act. And I believe if we can be focused, not wondering when, but believing that now this is where I stand. This is what I establish in my household. And for some of us that are like married and, 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 and maybe our spouse is like, y'all got to get on the same page. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see you and her. He sees one. And it's going to be very difficult for you to gain traction if there's division with your vision. You need to establish where you stand. And I'm telling you, when you're in this place of focus, when you grab that word, when you kick plan B out, and that's not a popular thing in today's world. It's not popular. Have a plan B, have a plan C. No, 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 no. I did not have a plan B. We came in and we're coming out. And I don't care what anybody else says. And the enemy is going to try to throw other people's outcomes. He's going to throw other people's stories. And the purpose of those things are to get you to pick up another suggestion. But say, no, 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 no. I'm staying focused. I'm staying focused. I was not there. I'm staying focused. I'm staying focused. I'm staying focused. For some of us in this place, I used to be in this position all the time. I'd be praying for my friends. I'd be praying for my friends. 
early on that were believing for God to do things, and it just didn't seem like anything was happening. And I had to be reminded that God doesn't give you jurisdiction over everybody. Just because your faith is there does not mean that their faith is there. And if they carry more, more, if they carry more stock in that company, what they believe outweighs what you believe any day. If that was not true, Jesus would not have had to tell Jairus, don't be afraid. It wouldn't have mattered. Jairus, whether you're afraid or not, let's go. You're always gonna live. Jesus, all powerful, was limited by another man's decision. So just because you have faith doesn't mean that you can go and change everybody else's world. Because God is still looking at them and saying, I need you to establish where you stand. So for anyone that is confused, just allow that pressure to go. God, what is my jurisdiction? God, what is my place of authority? I'll agree with you if you want me to, but man, really, you have to own it for yourself. But for me in my house, I have to draw that line in the sand. And I feel like today, some of you just need to draw that line in the sand. Some of you have been going back and forth like it might, it may be, pick one and establish it. And grab the word of God and remind yourself every day of that manifestation. When I am declaring those words, I'm not declaring them to try to get God to like do it again, to do it again. And to maybe he'll do it this time and I declared it again. When I declare, I am not declaring from a place of defeat. When I declare, I am solely declaring to remind myself not to forfeit the promise that's already in my hand. We are not trying to get God to do anything. When Jesus died and rose again, everything that you have need of has been placed in your hands. You just can't see it. So you don't have to keep begging God. Just keep your focus and watch the promises come to pass in your life. Todd, let's sing something. And I believe this is just a space, just for a couple of minutes. Draw the line of the sand today. God, this is what I believe. God, my marriage will thrive. What God has joined together, let no man separate. God, I speak peace over my home. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not a worrier. I'm not a worrier. I'm a person of peace. I'm a person of peace. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.